everybody has a topic on the exam that they really just don't like. Whether it's hand therapy or psych or neuropeds, whatever it is, everybody's got a kryptonite. Well, I've got your secret weapon. If you're enjoying the podcast, I've been putting out video courses called 450 Formula. They're designed to make these giant, complex, difficult topics as simple and easy as possible, just like the podcast. You get all the big ideas, the foundational information, and you walk away with simple, easy mnemonics that make remembering everything a breeze. So if you're looking for a little extra help on those big, bad topics, or you just want to knock them all out together, then head over to 450formula.com and take a look. There's some free videos we can get a good feel for how it works. Check it out and get your 450. Hang in there. And we're back. Sorry, it's been a while since the last episode. For those of you who are listening to these concurrently as they come out, um, I had a lot going on and just kind of crazy. Just a quick couple notes before we begin. Again, thank you so much to everybody on the internet who's been so, so kind. The internet can be a mean, horrible place sometimes, especially when you're putting out stuff like this into it. Uh, but everybody has been just so pleasant and awesome and like just supportive and great. So thank you so much. People who've been commenting really nice things uh, online, on Facebook, whatever, you guys rock. Um, all of your reviews on Apple uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, all that stuff is killer. Thank you. You guys are so kind. It's just been overwhelming and awesome. So you guys rock. Thank you. Two quick notes. There were some people who over just recently had some issues with uh, getting the study guides. I apologize for that. I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden I started having a bunch of technical difficulties. The bottom line is now it is fixed. If you were trying to get it and you could not get it to work, it should work just fine now. If you go to the website, otexamprepper.com, scroll down and then click on the thing that says, here's where the study guides are, it should work for you. If not, please let me know. My email uh, is miles at otexamprepper.com. Uh, I want to make sure that everybody gets those study guides. That said, there is a study guide for this episode. If you're already subscribed, it should be in your inbox already. So check that out. Otherwise, again, go to the website, otexamprepper.com, and get this one and all the other study guides for the other episodes. In other better news, I'm going to make a Facebook group. I decided to make an, it's going to be called OT Exam Prepper Study Group. Uh, I know there's already some out there, but... In my opinion, when I was studying for it, it was like a more the merrier kind of thing. I think especially because I'm just starting out with this thing, it's going to be a little smaller, a little more private, a little more intimate. So, I mean, it's a great place where people can just chat and uh, either support each other or answer questions. I will, of course, be there also supporting you guys and answering questions. And I just want to create a little sense of community. It'd be a nice place also if people want to kind of riff or expand or take a different approach to different mnemonics. That would be a cool place where everyone would kind of know what you're talking about as opposed to some of these other groups where people would be like, yo, what? <laughs> so anyway, we're going to be doing that. And then also, um, if you guys haven't already heard of another uh, podcast in this same sort of space, this guy, Tyler, he's got a podcast called OT Exam audio. And me and Tyler actually connected a few weeks back and we got talking and we kind of want to collaborate on some stuff. We sort of have different approaches to the whole thing. And so, you know, it's, we're, we don't feel like we're competing with each other. We feel like we're just well positioned to help each other help you. So we're probably, we're kind of toying with the idea of doing like a live Facebook thing, like a Q&A where we might cover some subjects and then just kind of open it up if people have questions about how to approach x y or z 
then uh, yeah, that would kind of be the thing. It's kind of, I don't really know, but I'm pretty sure we might be in kind of the off season for people taking the exam. I think there are like big waves when people take it, when most of the schools graduate. And I'm not, I don't really think we're in one right now. So even if it ends up just being a few people and me and Tyler, like that'll still be chill. So anyway, check out the Facebook group for more details about when that's going to be happening. And then also for a chance to we're going to be looking for you know, seeking feedback about what the topic should be. So check it out. OT exam prepper study group on Facebook. Okay. Bored you guys long enough. Let's get to it. All right, splints, here we go. I got a lot of requests for splints, and I think I got a killer mnemonic that is profoundly stupid, but that means it's actually very easy to remember. Stupid is not bad, stupid is great. Uh, That's gonna help you out with this. The tricky part about splints is it's hard to remember what the name of a splint is relative to what it does sometimes, and it's also difficult to remember what conditions that splint is most commonly used to treat. So. Splints are difficult to kind of remember and tell apart because they're pretty boring. They're just like beige or gray colored pieces of plastic (laughs) that all, you know, somewhat resemble each other. But if we turn them into something more colorful, more memorable, it gets a lot, lot easier. So what we're going to do is we're going to use the different positions that these splints put our hand in and our fingers to help us to sort of simulate sock puppets. And then those different sock puppets, those different animals are going to help us um, separate the information out in our minds a lot easier as opposed to just trying to like memorize some chart. So here we go. I'm going to cover the four most common kind of like general splints. And then it's going to be up to you to come up with uh, more mnemonics for other splints that you come across. Most of the other splints are named a little more objectively like so and such like such and such extension splint and so a mnemonic for those aren't quite as necessary but for these i think uh, we're really going to benefit from it so here we go first one is a wrist cock up splint and this one actually pretty much describes what it does pretty well it brings your wrist into slight extension and that's it so it starts about the mid forearm and it comes up across the wrist and then it ends at about mid palm and there's a uh, it also keeps your thumb free so your fingers and thumb are free which is pretty unique a splint uh, because it's only affecting the uh, wrist that's the whole point of it it doesn't it leaves the fingers uninhibited so we're gonna you know all this movement of the fingers we're gonna try like remember keep your wrist still and then you can move your fingers around and the thing that came to my mind was a squid or maybe an octopus so squid octopus is this wrist cock up splint okay One of the most common uh, things this is used to treat is carpal tunnel syndrome. So this squid is a bit of a jokester. He tells puns a lot. And uh, he tells you some pun or joke about his friend who is a carp, right? A kind of fish that has carpal tunnel. That's the punchline. You can make up a full joke if you want. I didn't care to because I thought it was stupid enough already. Uh, But this squid tells you about his carp friend. Uh, carpal tunnel, so the squid, wrist cock up splint. The another, the other condition that this most commonly is used for is radial nerve conditions. So radial nerve injury or radial tunnel syndrome. So this one's a bit of a stretch. 
if you're like a biology whiz, you'll know that radial symmetry is something that's common among sea animals, like uh, starfish have this kind of symmetry. I like to go with a dumber approach that doesn't require as much uh, actual knowledge. So I love the Ninja Turtles. They say radical a lot, which sounds like radial. So the Ninja Turtles think it's radical to have squid on their pizza. Or, you know, this squid knows the Ninja Turtles and he's kind of a bro. He hangs out with them and he's like, oh, yeah, radical, man. Whatever helps you remember it. Again, the stupider, the better, as long as it's memorable. And that's it. Wrist cock up splint covers radial nerve stuff and the carpal tunnel. Uh, there are probably maybe some other things that it's used for, but you should be able to come up with another sort of sea creature type pun just as easily on your own. Let's move on to the next one. The next one's going to be an anti-deformity splint, which is sometimes called an anti-deformity resting hand splint. But there's another splint that's different that is called specifically a resting hand splint. So we'll just refer to this one as an anti-deformity splint. It's also called a burn intrinsic plus splint sometimes. And that's because the main use of this splint is for burns. So what this splint looks like is, again, it starts about mid-forearm, it comes up across the wrist, but then it actually extends down and supports and holds the fingers and thumb into place. And the position it puts it in is the MCPs are flexed, and then the DIPs and PIPs are in full extension. So your fingers are stick straight, but that first, your knuckles are bent. Uh, so bent down like that and then your thumb sort of is also stick straight and brought out to sort of oppose them and this is where the sock animal thing is really obvious because it looks like you know the shape you do is when you're just giving this like little talking thing like you're talking to a kid with your hand uh so that's that's what it is so when i looked at this i thought of an alligator this big long snout big long mouth um so we're gonna go with an alligator here so we're going to remember this because this alligator is very picky about the people who he eats. So he is anti-deformity. <laughs> he only eats people who are in the absolute peak, uh, peak of health and are beautiful. Okay. So <laughs> um, then we're going to remember that it's related to burns because an alligator's skin is very bumpy and rough and uh, craggy and scaly. And um, after a very severe burn, people's skin does have a bit of texture to it. So, so remember, it's about burns, anti-deformity splint, it's this alligator. Boom. On to the next one. Resting hand splint. So this is just the general resting hand splint. And this one's easier to remember because if you just totally relax your hand and look at it, just sort of, again, this relaxed state is about what, what the splint is. So your fingers, MCP, PIP, and DIP are all in slight flexion. And then your thumb is sort of out away from them, sort of opposing them, not touching them, but also kind of away from the palm and slightly flexed as well. So that is more or less the resting hand splint. Your wrist will probably be in a tiny bit of extension. Um, so that's, we're going to remember that because of this. Again, the alligator had this long straight mouth. This one's more curved. So this one reminded me of a beak like a parrot or an eagle. So one of these big, sharp beaks. So <laughs> either one could be really helpful for these mnemonics. I liked a parrot because it's called a resting hand splint and you could remember it as you can't get any rest because this parrot is up just talking and squawking all night. Also, it's this one's very general. It's used to address a whole bunch of different things, but the main gist of it is just that it addresses pain and sometimes deformity. 
So you could be talking to this pirate. He's going on and on about how he, uh, he's got all this hand pain. His hand is deformed and he shows you and he doesn't have a hand at all. It's just this hook, right? <laughs> so resting hand splint is this parrot. You could also get away with an eagle. Um, and I would probably go with like some political things like maybe Uncle Sam is what, saying something to you or there's something in the news that's relevant for whatever reason if you're like a politics buff. Um, but yeah, either a parrot or an eagle, whichever one uh, helps you remember this stuff. Again, resting hand splints, I won't go into everything they're used for because it's a lot and it's kind of just the default splint that it's used for. It's used for tenosynovitis and a whole bunch of other stuff. But it's mostly just for pain and some deformity if there's some concern that uh, the hand will be, you know, left in an odd position for too long because they can't control it or for whatever else. Um, so again, yeah, if you come across anything that you're like, man, I really need to remember that that has to do with a resting hand splint, think of either something to do with pirates or parrots or an eagle slash like patriotic stuff. And you should be good. Okay, the last splint we're going to cover specifically is the thumb spica. So this one, it kind of, it covers, so imagine like a bracelet almost, but then it extends up along your thumb and holds that up um, away from your palm and kind of in line with your fingers. So if you put your hand flat on the table and you keep your uh, second through fifth digits together and then your thumb is at about maybe a 45 degree angle away from them, that's the position this keeps your hand in. And so if you hold it up, I thought that looked an awful lot like a unicorn, like if you were doing a, like a shadow puppet, then that you would kind of probably do that for a unicorn, right? So thumb spica, it's a horse with a spike. Um, we're going to name this unicorn, actually. We're going to name him Kevin. So this thumb spica is Kevin the unicorn. We're naming him Kevin because the main condition that thumb spicas are used for is de Kervin syndrome. So again, it's spelled D-E space Q-U-E-R-V-A-I-N syndrome. And I hate these conditions that are just named after some dude who's long dead and don't actually tell us anything about it because they're hard to remember what it's about. But if you remember Kevin and DeKervin, Kervin, Kevin, Kevin, Kervin, Kervin, Kevin, they're buds, okay? So Kevin is used to treat DeKervin. And that's it. We covered the four main splints in just a few minutes here, and there should be plenty of room and really easy, like a really easy way for you guys to add on any other information you come across about these splints or any other splints. Make up your own sock puppet, add it, you know, come up with another weird way to remember whatever you come across that has to do with an animal or whatever else. I think it'll really make these things easier and just you can move on from them a lot faster. The last thing I want to cover is finger deformities. So, it kind of does a 180. The uh, the splints used for fingers are actually very easy. They're just like PIP extension or DIP flexion splint. And none of that stuff is hard to remember because you, it just tells you exactly where it is and what it does. The trouble is some of these finger deformities have weird names. So they aren't that hard to remember because they kind of make their own mnemonic. But the main ones are mallet finger, which is where your... DIP, uh, sorry, PIP is uh, normal, but then your DIP, the last knuckle, right, is in flexion. So you have this stick straight finger, and then right at the very end, it's curved, it's flexed, and that, I mean, it looks like a mallet. That one's not too hard. The next one is a swan neck deformity, and this is where your PIP is in hyperextension. So this is like the painful looking one, 
that PIP is in hyperextension and then your DIP is in flexion. So again, like a swan, that neck comes up and back and then bends forward for the head, right? So that's the swan neck deformity. Um, and then the last one is, it's a French name, which I don't speak French, but I think it's Boutonniere. It's spelled B-O-U-T-O-N-N-I-E-R-E. Uh, I only remember it because it looks like button to me. <laughs> so this one is where DI, your PIP is in flexion and your DIP is in extension, hyperextension. And so I always remember this because like push the button, right? Boutonniere, button, push the button. So if you just, you know, on your leg or on, if you're by a table or something, just like, so do like a point, like just your index finger extended and then just relax it and then push it into a table or something and put some pressure in there, but don't keep the finger straight. Just let the finger relax and then really push it into that table. Don't hurt yourself, but push it into that table and then it makes the position of the boutonniere uh, deformity. So that DIP should be in flexion and then your, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I get those mixed up so often. Your PIP is in flexion and your DIP distal is an extension. So that's push the button, boutonniere. And that's it. That's all we're going to cover today. Um, I hope these are helpful. Again, just like tack onto them, add another sock puppet. Uh, remember more stuff about the unicorn or the parrot or the squid. It should be really easy for you to fit in anything else you come across while you're studying into this framework. Check out the website if you haven't already, otexamprepper.com. The study guide is there. There's plenty of other stuff. And don't forget to subscribe and join the Facebook group, OT Exam Prepper Study Group. And I'll see you guys around. Hang in there. If you get bored of studying, check out my other side project, homeequipmentguide.com, which is meant to make finding adaptive equipment online easier for OTs and their patients. Last but not least, music this episode was provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks, Kevin.